Welcome to Honey on the Sword, Season 3, Episode 11, Sirens, Part 28 and 29. Isabella blankly stares at Sean, leans forward towards him as if she's going to say something, and passes out. He and Beck try to wake her and scream for help, but she is still unconscious. Rebecca gives Sean an annoyed yet worried look, but he ignores it and tells her to quickly get their phone. But Mercy's phone begins to ring and Sean answers it immediately. Isabella, Isabella, hello, where are you? Sean urgently rattles off their address, but Wilton stops him. Who are you? Who is this? Sean briefly explains to Wilton how they know Mercy, but asks him to hurry. Wilton tells Sean he is nearby and on his way and that he will drive Mercy to the hospital. Wilton hangs up the phone. Locusts scurry across oak trees and screech in time with loudly swaying leaves. Stephen clears his throat and recites a quote. Laughter is a poor man's ale and it helps him to forget life's troubles and woes. Wind briskly blows and dances, dancing leaves flicker light through rustling trees. Stephen quickly grabs his coat and rushes away like a swarm of bees. The sunlight slopes down the horizon and dims all that once could clearly be seen. Gloria always sat beneath the oak trees and listened to the locusts loudly crying. Stephen never joined her underneath the shelter of the oaks until she was dying. He takes in every moment and devotes his time to Gloria's photography and writing. He laughs more than he has ever laughed before and memorizes her quotes. Silence fills the star-painted night as Stephen enters the front door and turns on the lights. Silence fills the quaint, mellow home along with the lingering smell of rich coffee and cologne. He glances out the window at the crescent moon and walks like a stranger through each room. Stephen is more tired than he expected and slowly makes his way to his bedroom, quite dejected. It has only been a year since Gloria passed away, and memories flood his mind every moment. He focuses in on the wildly whistling wind outside of his bedroom window. He forces his breath to match the whistling breeze and lets it tote his painful memories. Rain begins to tap against the window, but Stephen leaps up from his bed and breaks Sorrow's choking rope. He soaks in the cloud-painted night beneath the shelter of the trees. He lets the lightly falling rain hide his tears. The only time Stephen falls asleep is underneath the shelter of these beautiful oaks. It is there he is surrounded by hope, as if Gloria yokes him with an invisible cloak. Cicadas and the dawn wake Stephen, and he knows he has a problem. He cannot live under these trees, but without them, he feels the depths of despair. Gloria was such a great photographer and would capture people's expressions and emotions in such breathtaking ways. She would go and take pictures of those who were sick and dying and capture the last moments of their lives for their families. Stephen remembers seeing patients with similar conditions as Gloria and resolves to visit them to bring just a piece of her back to life. He runs inside, grabs her camera, and jumps in his car. He drives and hopes her memory will live on. Wilton never took Isabella to the hospital because he knew the problems they both caused there. He fears he has made the wrong decision, but he brings her inside 
lays her on the bed and she never wakes up. But finally she stirs and his worries subside. He knows he needs to get back to the hospital to see his brother, but cannot leave Isabella right now. He cannot overwhelm her either, and he definitely has many questions that need answers. She looks over at Wilton and turns her face to hide it in the pillow. Isabella hits it with her weak fists. Okay, Wilton, okay. You said you can handle this, so I have to trust that you will, even though I know there's no reason you should trust me. She begins to share, and Wilton is in shock. I, I found you. I, I picked you. I know you think I, that you fell in love with me, but I, I used you. I knew your brother was a firefighter and that you were just starting out as a painter. I, I knew you would need me. She goes on with many hurtful, appalling stories, but she ends with the most intriguing part. Annabelle. Wilton, I have been honest with you now. I have told you everything, so you would know I am holding nothing back. Annabelle and I look alike because we are the same person. Wilton's furrowed brow shows his disbelief and distrust, but he recalls that Annabelle does look like Isabella, so he lets her finish even though he is apprehensive. I told you stories of my father and mother and how I ran away, but I never told you that when I sat on that rickety swing, I ended up being kidnapped and taken to a dark alley. She hesitates and pauses as tears pour down her face. Isabella hobbles out of the bed and over to the dresser. Wilton is curious and helps her. She opens the bottom of the dresser and pulls out an old stained journal and a diary. She hands Wilton the journal and the diary and turns to a page in her diary and points to it and goes to sit back down on the bed. If you can handle this, I will tell you what this journal, this old journal is about. But first, here's the part of the diary. She lies back in the bed and turns her face towards the window. Shame and fears flood her like when she was a little girl. Wilton looks at the diary and sees that it says Ragdoll. A few scraps of cloth were tied together in tangled up knots. It had a freckled face with eyes that blankly stared, a tattered polka dotted dress and dirty unkempt hair. Instead of rosy cheeks, smudges of dirt were all you could see. Tangled up knots crouched down like a disheveled teddy bear, tossed in a little corner, head down, matted hair, blank stare. Slapped with leather straps, bruises and freckles showed across her back. Her little hands were tied together with cloth and dangled above her head. Her freckled face with smudges of blood and dirt had eyes that blankly stared. She wore a tattered dress and like muddy tangled ropes hung her matted hair. Strangle marks and scars covered her tiny body as if she was shaken in a dog's teeth. Instead of rosy cheeks, bruises and scars were all you could see. Wrapped beneath soiled sheets, fragile wrists dangled, and little eyes fearfully stared. Veiny arms snatched him by knotted hair and violently threw him against the chairs. A few ivory teeth flew out of his swollen lips and mahogany cheeks bled and dripped. Instead of a baby face, he had deep bruises and welts from the buckle of a leather belt. Tossed in a little corner like a tattered and torn teddy bear, the lifeless little eyes stared. Trapped under a sweaty body, little arms are held down and bruised 
as a belt is unloosed. Little almond-shaped eyes drip tears of fear. Tiny ribs are crushed as a body violently thrusts. Sweat rains down on her face as she's strangled and tangled beneath massive thighs and legs. A fragile body is strapped to the bed, almond eyes tightly shut as a shadow hovers above her head. A few scraps of cloth were tied together in tangled up knots. It has a freckled face with eyes that blankly stare, a tattered polka-dotted dress and dirty unkempt hair. Instead of rosy cheeks, smudges of dirt were all you could see. Tangled up knots crouched down like a disheveled teddy bear. Children are shaken in a dog's teeth like rag dolls tossed on the street. Wilton uses a piece of mail to hold his place in her diary. He cannot believe that she was taken. He quietly walks over to the bed and touches the back of her shoulder blades. He is speechless, but Isabella isn't. She stutters. That's why I, I have been so, so obsessed with Rebecca. Rebecca? Wilton asks, puzzled. She looks just like one of the little girls who lived in the dark basement with me and some other children, boys and girls. There were so many of us, but she and I became friends because everything was horrible and unbearable. I saw Rebecca and knew I had to figure out a way to find her because if I didn't have that friend, I, I would have... Wilton listened intently and never said a word. He never interrupts her because Isabella has never been this open and honest with him ever. I kidnapped Annabelle because I didn't want her to have to go through what I went through. I wanted to change the past somehow. Wilton didn't understand and he felt like he was in a Twilight Zone episode, but he just listened. Rebecca reminds me of someone I once knew and it makes me feel whole. It makes me feel safe. This Catholic organization found me, but they left my friend behind that looks like Rebecca, but it's not Rebecca. There were so many children and they did their best to find where all of us were hidden, but Wilton tells Isabella to take her time and to breathe. She weeps and holds his hand tightly. He knows that she has to finish sharing the story with him, even though she's exhausted. I kidnapped Annabelle and was going to take her to the wonderful people who rescued me. But when I grabbed her, she passed out and I knew that no one would suspect me because I work with them. I brought her into the hospital and said that I found her outside. Wait, wait, but how did you get her? Like find her, how did you kidnap her? And she's way younger than you. I mean, that part of the story is unbelievable, babe. She hands him the old stained journal. Do you remember when I first came in to visit Antonio when he was in a coma? Yes. I had a strange look because he was admitted to the room where I had a patient named Tyne. Still puzzled, Wilton listens. Tyne started rattling off all these strange things to me when I worked there. I ignored it at first and thought he had just needed new medication, but I began having dreams about what he told me about and seeing Annabelle. My name was changed by men who took me. They laughed among themselves and said, I look like a curvy Latin dancer. 
but I was just a child. The women in the organization gave me these rosary beads and said my new name is Mercy. I had so many repressed memories. I I just wanted to start over. I didn't mean to hurt you. I just wanted to start over. I just wanted to forget my old life, not even my name. I didn't want my name, Annabelle. But when Tyne spoke of the ability to change the past, I knew what I had to do. Astounded, Wilton told her she needed to rest, even though he wanted to hear more. Isabella told Wilton to read the next diary entry as she closed her eyes.